Hi guys, welcome to Middle Aged Gamers, your gaming podcast brought to you by myself, as per usual, Francis, uh, and my two trusty companions, Ben and Dan. Say hi guys. Hi, hello. So, it's, it's been a minute. I was actually going to start off by saying Backstreet's Back, but I thought that would have been a bit cheesy, so um, just the usual intro. Um, so, quite a lot of things have happened since we recorded last, it's been a couple of weeks, uh, a few things have happened uh, with us guys. Some of us have been ill. We've had family problems, all that sort of stuff. But we are back with a vengeance and hopefully we'll kick the doors down and get to the nitty gritty and keep you guys entertained like we usually do. So what's new in everybody's lives at the moment? What have you been playing at the moment, Ben? Um, not a lot, really. I've just well, I've been playing Spider-Man. The Spider-Man. Ben's most eagerly anticipated game of the year. Um, well, we might as well kick off the conversation with that before we move on to what we've been playing. Um, what were your thoughts? My thoughts, it's... I think it is generally the best Spider-Man game that's ever been made because it combines elements from all the good ones and none of the bad stuff in the games. That's good. This has been... Put together really well, with fresh new story. Uncle Ben's already dead, so... Oh, that's always good. I think that. The problem I usually found with the uh, the movies, whenever they seem to reboot them, obviously they didn't do it with Homecoming, but there's only so many times you can see Uncle Ben die, so, so that's good. Um, so I'm assuming you completed the game now? Yeah. Cool. Um, did you go Completed through... it a while ago. Did you get all the trophies? Did you go for the uh, the coveted platinum? Yeah, I've got the platinum. Cool. So the question is, See? by the time that you had finished the game, were you were you satisfied? Were you sort of going to get the DLC uh, and have more Spidey when it comes out? Oh, I'll get the DLC for anniversary. So, so you, you, and I'm you... still playing it. I spread the trophies out. So what I did was I finished the game and then took my time getting the two last trophies that I needed to platinum the game. Ah, oh, cool. So you spread the uh, you spread it out a little bit. Yeah. That's cool. I'm not, um, I didn't want to waste it like everyone else did like the game like three days. Like, no, I'm going to take my time with this. Yeah, I think testament to a good game is when a lot of people play it non-stop and finish it. Um, obviously, a lot of people were saying it was short, but then again, people were saying it was short because they were playing it for like eight-hour sittings at a time. So, of course, you're going to rush through most games um, if you do know that quickly. Um, so, what about you, then, Dan? Is there anything that you've been playing, or anything you want to talk about with regards to games? I haven't been playing anything new, but um, I did fire up Battlefield One the other day. Um, I I haven't uh, played it since I got my PlayStation Pro and um, the the 4K and HDR on it really, really do make it look incredible. So that's the one thing that I'm kind of missing um, at the moment is the fact that I, I don't actually have, I don't have a 4K TV. I don't have a PlayStation Pro. Mm. 
Um, yeah, I, I did the same. I loaded it up. I only had one or two games on the multiplayer. Um, and it's as good as I remember it being, but it's also kind of as frustrating as I remember it being as well, where if you die, the respawn times take ages and the... yeah. The weapons are cool, um, but because the game's been out for so long, there's the guys that are sort of wrecking everybody in the uh, in the the tanks and the uh, the planes and stuff like that. Yeah, there's people who've leveled everything up on it, and uh, they've got all the, uh, the 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 coolest weapons. And and if you haven't done it yet, you're kind of like, oh, it's pretty difficult to do it. It might calm down when uh, the next one comes out, but we'll see. Yeah, I think the good thing about the Battlefield games is they always have a long life cycle. Like, a lot of people still play Battlefield 4. Um, it's kind of hard to find games on the, the DLC map packs, but the, the base game always have, like, a dedicated amount of people on them, which is great. Um, did you pick up the, the the premium pass when it was free for that week? Uh, no, no, I messed up. Oh. I, uh, so did Ben. I had a long time, yeah. I had a little, we had a little back to forth, me and Ben were saying about, obviously, the uh, the battle, uh, the premium pass being free, and I informed everybody about it, and then when push came to shove and we actually wanted to play it, Ben and I kind of like checked to see if it was free, but it wasn't, so, but the good thing about EA is they tend to put those battle passes up for free quite often, so it wouldn't be a surprise that when Battlefield Five comes out that they do it again, so... We shall see on that one. Um, is there anything else that you've been playing at all? No, really. I've had hardly any time to play. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so what I've been playing is kind of uh, kind of corresponds with one of the news stories. Um, so I'll get to some of the games that I've been playing when we get to that. Um, I've been playing Fortnite. I've still been playing Fortnite. Game still pisses me off, but I'm still playing it. Um, and season six starts on Thursday, so eagerly anticipating playing that. Um, I did start playing um, South Park Stick of Truth because I downloaded it a while back. Um, I've only had a couple of hours into that, but that's a quite a cool game. Um, other than that, I'll discuss the games that I've been playing when we discuss the news articles. So quite a lot's happened since we recorded last. Um, there's a few news stories that I'll cover. Um, and we'll go on from there. And we do have some questions sent by our listeners as well, which is cool. Um, so the first news story is um, two major studios have closed in the past week. Um, one of them being uh, Telltale Games, um, which are famous for making the, the Walking Dead series, The Wolf Among Us, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, they made Minecraft story mode as well. Um, so... It, the news came as a bit of a shock, really. Um, they kind of uh, sent out a press release basically saying that as of now, they're closing. Um, there's going to be a few people left at the studio just to tie over um, a few things that they're contractually ob ob obliged to do, uh, which I think is a, a Minecraft thing for Netflix. But they're leaving the, the last season of The Walking Dead, um, Dead on Arrival, essentially, They've released two episodes of a four-episode season, um, but there's not going to be the last two episodes. So, have you any of you guys sort of delved into the Telltale games at all? I've got quite a few of them. And what are your thoughts um, on those games? They're, oh, they're good if you just want to sit sit down and press buttons, or you want to chill out, just sit down and press a few buttons for an hour or so. Hmm. 
What about you, Dan? Have I you think... played any of the games? Yeah, when they first came out, I played uh, all of The Walking Dead first season. Uh, I played The Wolf Among Us and Batman 1. Um, I think one of the problems was that they they stuck with the same engine for so long um, that people kind of became jaded with it. Oh, I played the Game of Thrones one as well. Yeah. Uh, and can you imagine if if ID Software back in the 90s, they'd started off, they'd made Doom, it was a hit, and they stuck with the same engine for the next, what, well, it's almost 15 years, I think, since the first, no, no, sorry, I've, I've gone too long there. Uh, it, it's, I think, 11 years since the first Telltale game came out with that engine, yep. and they're only just changing the engine now. Um, and that's a fair it, statement, if, I think. I think the problem for me was the narrative storylines of their games are incredible. Um, and what Ben said kind of is testament to the game's style um, is the fact that you are watching an interactive movie, essentially. You make specific choices which do and do not affect the gameplay. Um, nine times out of ten, you're not too sure if they do directly affect it because not a lot of people go back and play the games twice. Um, mainly for the fact that if you play the games through, you get the Platinum Trophy straight away for most of them. Um, so it doesn't actually incentivize you to go back and play them twice. Um, I know what you mean with the, the engine. It felt super dated, uh, especially sort of going back to the games. They improved it slightly. Using a new engine, uh, they were making a uh, Stranger Things game for Netflix. Uh, it, well, in conjunction with Netflix, and they moved on to the Unity engine, uh, which is used by people um, like Ubisoft for making Assassin's Creed and things like that. So it wouldn't surprise me if they started using the Unity engine after using their own engine for like 10 plus years and thought, shit, guys, we can't actually develop games in the current sort of um, generation software, if you get what I mean. Do you reckon that might have been the case of the reason why they had to shut down? I suppose there's a possibility that, you know, they've been working with the same engine for so long that they've lost a lot of skills um, uh, around working with a, you know, a production engine, uh, uh, someone else's engine. But also, I think we've got the, the problem that there's been a lot of changes with how people want to access interactive fiction now. I mean, we've had games like Her Story and Late Shift, which, which are kind of... FMV kind of adventures, you know. We, we talked about Seventh Guest and stuff before, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and and games like that are making a comeback, and I think that's partly as a result of what Telltale Games has done. But her story and and Late Shift are very very different um, kind of psychological and interesting stories, and I think to some extent um, Telltale Games, while their storytelling was good. They weren't keeping up with uh, how people want the, the kind of stories that people want to see and hear. Yeah, I think, um, especially with games like Until Dawn and things like that, where they've kind of taken that telltale format and improved the graphics, and obviously everything looks super realistic, and the storytelling's like on par um, with those sort of games. So, and a lot of people kind of got Telltale fatigue as well. They released like four or five games in one year at one point, and it was just mm. kind of like, Jesus Christ, how many of these games can you they throw at you at once? And the Guardians of the Galaxy game was pretty crap, and 
Um, some of the games were really good, but they just tended to put them on uh, the PS Plus titles for free, um, like a year or so after they came out. So that was probably a detriment to the finances as well. So um, it's a shame. Don't get me wrong. Like it's it's sad to see a studio go, um, and obviously a lot of people are affected with regards to jobs and things like that. But the kind of rainbow uh, at the end of it really is a lot of big developers uh, like Santa Monica Studios who made God of War um, and other top-notch studios are actually reaching out um, to these people who have lost their jobs and basically saying, we know you're a talented team. Um, we'd love to work with you. If you've got the skills, obviously get in touch with us. So it's not it's not all bad in a way. Um, another thing that did happen is uh, Capcom's Montreal uh, studio has also closed. Uh, which resulted in, I think, 158 people losing their jobs. Um, they've basically moved everything in-country now. Uh, all the studios are going to be based in Japan. Uh, and Capcom Montreal are the development uh, studio who made the Dead Rising games. Um, <laughs> Dead yeah, Rising I've got one. a little thing to say about Capcom. Go on. That the Montreal is their smallest studio they actually have. Yeah. So it's no surprise it's that one that's gone. It's not going to be a big loss to the company. It will be for the people that lost their job, but not for the company in general. Financial-wise, they said it's going to be a $40 million loss. Um, In the grand scheme of things, that's probably not an extreme amount of money, but it's a loss either way. But yeah, it is the smallest studio, um, and Dead Rising has kind of slowly gone down. Um, in popularity since the first one. Second one was all right. Uh, the third one was uh, a launch title for the Xbox One um, and had sort of like timed exclusivity. Um, and Dead Rising 4 there eventually... Was yeah, there was, a thir- there was a fourth one. And the fourth one eventually came out on the PS4. Did you know that? No, because I don't think anybody did. And that's probably why the studio is closed. But um, did, did you ever play the Dead Rising games, down at all? Uh, yeah, I played one and two on on Xbox. The um, I think with all of these, the the thing is, if if the studio or or the company, wherever this kind of thing happens, is making money, then they're going to be kept open. There's always a reason why they close them down. Yeah, and sure. and it is really sad for the people involved. But you've got to think, Capcom Montreal, Montreal. Most of these people are probably going to end up at Ubisoft. Without a doubt, yeah. Especially if the talented developers, and I think. Capcom had quite a good year in the sense of um, Monster Hunter World kind of broke records for them. Um, obviously, the beginning end of uh, the the start of next year, you've got uh, the Resident Resident Evil Two remake, which we're all eagerly anticipating. Um, and I think pre-order sales Please already. Pre-order. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and pre-order sales like on that already are looking good for them. So it's not going to affect them majorly. Um, and when you say Capcom, I don't initially think of Dead Rising. I think of Street Fighter, obviously Monster Hunter, Resident Evil, um, games like that, Devil May Cry and things like that. So um, it's a shame, I suppose. Somebody might pick up the IP uh, and we might see another Dead Rising game, but it's not going to be anytime soon. So it's a shame. I think the problem with Dead Rising is it tried... It tried to be that zombie game that did it all, but trying to be a comedy at the same time. 
Yeah, and the zombie market, especially in modern times, is a very, very oversaturated market as well. And I think the games were good, but over time they just didn't grip you in the way that like they probably would have hoped to. So either way, we'll see what happens with those guys. They might pop up in other studios, like Dan says. Um, I'm sure, yeah, like you say, Ubisoft will be knocking on the door saying, come over to us, and we'll see what happens with that one. So the next story is... Um, Sony have kind of jumped on the Nintendo bandwagon uh, and last week they announced that they are going to be releasing a Sony Mini Classic console just before Christmas. Um, what do you reckon to this one then, Dan? Well, it's got jumping flash, so I, I like it. <laughs> what about you, Ben? Did <laughs> I, you see this one? I have, a, you know, I have a huge problem with it. Go on. It's a fake disk drive, so you can't actually put a disk in it. No, so well, it's tiny. Of course you can't. <laughs> yeah. No, but GameCube discs, maybe. I thought one of them. I can't remember which one it is. The Sega or the um, other one that came out, Nintendo. I thought you could put a cartridge. No, in you, you couldn't with any of the Nintendos. The the Se- Sega have been licensing their um, rights to make consoles to other manufacturers who've been making these. Really Shit. cheap, shoddy knockoff Real ones. Real crap just, ones, uh, yeah. Um, so I, ho- I hope Sega takes their, their own rights back and, and follows suit and does their own one. Yeah. So the Sega's um, one's not an official Sega one? No, they've they've basically no, just like no. Dan said, kind of like given a, a handshake to somebody and said, look, just go go ahead and make them. But the problem was they've come with crap sound chips, the, the graphics look crap, they're really laggy, but... So uh, Sega have actually said that uh, in 2019 they will be releasing their own one. So that's an official statement that they actually cool. released just after the Sony one came out, I think. Um, but I th- You can get PS1 for cheaper than that, though. For yes. the cheaper... The price, the, the price is a major issue. So it's coming out in... I th- is it 89.99 over here? Something like that? Yeah. So it, yeah. it does come with two controllers, but they're not the DualShock controllers. They are the original analog controllers, um, which kind of brings up our own, own problem of its own with certain games that it can't play. Um, they've only announced five games, which I seem re- like, think really weird. The fact that there's 20 games. They in haven't there. actually announced it. Yeah, they the whole lineup. No, they've said it comes with two controllers. It comes with the HDMI port. It doesn't actually come with a um, AC adapter, but I think any phone one works. So everybody's got one of those. So that's not much of an issue. Um, but as a selling point for me, I'd have expected them to say we've got Crash Bandicoot, Metal Gear Solid, Maybe Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, but there's they won't, probably they won't do Crash Bandicoot or Spyro because of the remasters. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, but if there were, if there was a game on there that would make you go, exactly. "Yep, yeah, I'm going to go out and buy that tomorrow," <laughs> or put a pre-order down, what game would it be for you, Ben? Oh, that's a really Spider-Man 2000, maybe, or Blade, possibly. That's a good one. Because yeah. I can't say Resident Evil because they're remaster- remastering them, so... Yeah, and the, the original... Re- the, re- the remaster of the original Resident Evil was actually all right, so... So, yeah. What yeah. about you, Dan? What I don't know you... if they remastered Burnout. Wipeout, sorry. I don't know if there's a new Wipeout, because that was a good game. It was. It was. Yeah, I was just going to say, Wipeout should be on there. Um, 
Did they did they announce any racing games? Was there Daytona? Yeah, Ridge Racers on the. Ridge Racer, that was it. What was it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's good. I, I, I like that. Um, the first Cloud Hour was um, PlayStation, wasn't it? Which which game was that? Sorry, did you say they got Clone uh, it it was a it was a weird one, um, kind of side scrolling platform one. Okay. Um, there's so many PlayStation One games. Just solid. Uh, I think yeah. twenty is quite a small number, but then again, for the package that you're getting, like it makes sense to have that sort of number. Um, Final Fantasy Seven. How many is on, on the Nintendo? A similar amount, I think, 22 on the SNES. Okay. I might be wrong. Yeah, something like that. It wasn't an extreme amount. Um, the, the the knockoff Sega ones that came out, they had like 66 games or something like that. So they had quite a lot of games on there. And that's probably the reason why they didn't work. But um, Tekken 3 is on there. Final Fantasy 7 is on there. So there's two hits for people. But if it had Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 on there, I'd be like, yeah. Get me in. I'll I'll get one of those, but it won't because all, all the songs and all that sort of stuff. So I've still got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater too, so I'm all right. Yeah, I'm I'm sat here looking at the uh, PS1 games that I've got, and I've still got Metal Gear Solid. I've still got Gran Turismo. I've got Wipeout 2007, Tekken 3. I haven't got Siphon Filter, and that's one of the games that might actually be on there. But I've got Resident Evil, Tekken 3, Tekken 2, Ridge Racer. Rayman I've got as well, and that would probably be a good game to put on there. But I don't know how Ubisoft would kind of license that out what's, to them. Oh, what's the other one? There's one that's like Rayman as well. Uh, oh, pro- they could bring out Gex. 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 Enter the Gecko. That's a good one. Yeah, brilliant. I forgot about that game. That's a brilliant game. So I would assume Go. Sony are going to announce maybe in dribs and drabs, like this is the next five and kind of making hype but at the same time I don't might... think they will do you not reckon because think... obviously they're... so if they're games that people don't like and they're really low budget they cancel their pre-order they, yeah, they've the... announced Final Fantasy so it's good. that's what sold it for people but the problem there with if Final Fantasy 7 is you can get Final Fantasy 7 on literally any electronical device you can think of and um Bringing it on to the next sort of story, not to divert, is um, they have announced that Final Fantasy 7, 9, 12, 10, 10, 2, and a few others are coming out on the Switch uh, next year. So are really, people are really going to just buy it just for Final Fantasy 7? In my opinion, it's not even that great a game. And I know a lot of people are going to lynch me. It, so. Have you not? Then that's fair enough. And it's one of those... I've never played a Final Fantasy game. Which is madness. You need to kind of like leave this podcast now, go find a Final Fantasy game and play it. But a lot of people will say Final Fantasy VII is the best one. It's not. But people put it on this pedestal and it's like, yeah, I don't know. People kind of pray about that game, but I don't understand why. But (laughs) I'm not going to pay 100 quid for a console that I still own. I've still got my PS1, so I don't see the point of it. But for a Christmas present, you know, maybe you've got a rich uncle out there and he might bring one down for, like, you if you're a teenager or whatever. Or for nostalgia purposes, the console looks great. It does look cool. Like, the SNES Mini looked cool. Um, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't pay for one, in, in my personal opinion. Yeah, you're, 
They'll get collectors buying them and keeping them in the box. That's going to be the most common thing, I think. Yeah, and I think depending on how many they manufacture, depends on how much they turn up on eBay uh, at Christmas or just after Christmas. So, yeah, we'll see with that one. But obviously, watch this space for so uh, Sega's one as well. Um, I'd be happy to get a Sega one. Um, and I think the problem oh, with, with the Sony... Dreamcast would be brilliant. Yeah, a Dreamcast would be amazing. Um, they've obviously hinted on the fact that there might be a N64 classic as well at some point, so that's going to happen. But Gold and all. <laughs> yeah, well, depend, license-dependent. I think that might be a bit tricky because of the licensing and all that sort of stuff, but fingers crossed. Um, but <laughs> PS1 games look crap. They look absolutely crap now. Um, so nostalgia-wise, then you'll get the feels, but SNES games look real cool. Like The graphics have kind of, like, evolved with time because they look kind of timeless in that sense but if you go back and play Tekken or Tomb Raid or any games like that they look awful and it'd be interesting to see how they show up on a HD TV yeah will they include options for anti-aliasing and stuff like that that we can now add as a post-processing um, effect and uh, it could make it look a bit better but... yeah Hopefully, because if you've ever played a PlayStation 1 emulator, they on a PC they have those built-in things where you can add like 16 times anti-alias and all that sort of stuff, and it makes them look really sharp. still makes the games look really ugly, but they look, resolution-wise, a little bit better than before. So shout out in the comments if you're going to pre-order one of these. Um, it'd be interesting to hear what games you want to, he uh, to be on the console. Um, but watch this space. Sony might release in the next couple of weeks what's going to be on there. Um, another bit of Sony news is as of this week, uh, PlayStation Now subscribers can download uh, directly to their consoles PS2 and PS4 games. Um, and before this podcast, I've been waiting since Thursday. It's now Monday, so I've been waiting four days since the announcement for it actually to go live on my console. Uh, just before recording, I went on there and it's live and I've downloaded... Uh, 60 games so far, I think, onto my hard drive ready to play. So I'm dead chuffed about this. What are your feelings, uh, Dan, on the PlayStation Now service as a whole? Uh, I think oh, I think the fact that you've got so many games on there, that's great. The fact you can now download them is even better because uh, I know we tried it previously and uh, had some problems with bandwidth. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know if it's enough to get me to... To buy the service, how much is it a month now, Frank? Do you know? It's twelve ninety nine a month, or you can get an annual subscription for eighty four ninety nine. I think it is. Mm. I don't. I, I don't know if I'll be buying that yet. No, I think, in relative terms, if you break it down for the amount of games that you get, obviously you can still stream the PS three games. They're not actually active to download to your console yet, but. The library is like 500 plus games and there's roughly about 100-ish PS4 games and PS2 games on there. So value for money, it makes sense. But it is a big commitment in the sense of like it's a lot more than PS Plus is. Um, the one saving grace maybe is the fact that you don't actually need PS Plus to play the online portions of those games. 
So if you don't actually have a PS Plus subscription, but you subscribe to PS Now and you want to play the multiplayer parts, so games like Payday 2 um, or maybe the online races and that sort of thing, you don't need the extra subscription, but tied in together, um, it's what you're outlaying roughly sort of like 120 quid for a year's sort of service for both that and PlayStation Plus. So what 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 about you, Ben? What are your thoughts on it? Um, it's like, I didn't realise that it was that expensive. Mm-hmm. Like compared to Xbox Game Pass, which is only seven ninety nine a month. Yeah. So it seems a bit ex- steep. That's what Game Pass has in its favour. I'm not too sure how many games are on Xbox Game Pass. Um I it can, changes I can, constantly. Ah, so I can imagine, yeah, yeah. And obviously what they've said with Xbox Games Pass is every new Xbox exclusive to come out on the console will be on the Game Pass. The only issue with that yeah. is there are no exclusives. So it's not really much of a loss for them in the sense of one or two games maybe a year might be put on there. Um, but I know with PlayStation now, they're constantly updating it every month. But yeah, I think that's the general opinion across the board is the fact that it costs quite a bit. I do want to try EA Access because it's quite cheap. But it's only on Xbox and PC, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it, that that's good in the sense if you want EA games cheap or on your doorstep when they come out. I'm not too sure if every game comes out on it at launch, but they're usually yeah. sort of a couple of months after, if that. So apparently, um, quite a few of them come out so, early or on launch. <laughs> but the only issue then is you're tied into the games on the Xbox, so. And it depends on where you want to play them, I guess. Yeah. So, in my opinion, it's a good service. Um, I'm happy with the games that are on there, especially the PS4 titles. Um, And that kind of brings me to the games that I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing um, a weird point-and-click game. Um, It's kind of a, a hidden object game. Have you guys ever played, like, a hidden object game before? Yeah. yeah. So the one that I am currently playing is called Enigmatis 2. Um, and I was playing it with uh, my wife earlier and we're kind of really getting into it. And I've never actually played like those sort of style games before, but they're actually really, really good. The story's really good in the game. Um, some of the puzzles are quite frustrating, um, especially the ones where you have to find like 20 to 30 objects on a cluttered screen um, and you're getting frustrated. It took us like, 30 minutes earlier just to find one item and it was staring right in like right at us and but but yeah that's really good that's one of the games i've been playing on there um i also started playing um divinity the first one oh yeah and that's really good um i didn't actually read too much about the game or the style of game before so it's kind of for those listening who aren't actually aware uh, of Divinity Original Sin. The first one, it's kind of like a top-down isometric RPG. Um, You can zoom in into the characters really closely and the graphics are really good. Um, The combat system's kind of like a turn-based combat system, Um, but the writing is what makes the game really good. It's super comical. Um, You can either be a man or a woman uh, and you can pick your class at the beginning, whether you're a warrior, a mage, a dwarf, that sort of thing. Like the classic sort of RPG archetypes, is that the word? Um, but archetypes. The, archetypes, that's it. 
but the the conversations that the two characters have between your car- you're controlling one of them and the AI's controlling the other unless obviously you're playing online um and the banter that they have between each other is really good so if you guys ever get a chance to check that out it's one of those games that does hold its price uh, it's been out for a while and i think it's about 30 quid but the new one recently came out so eagerly anticipating um playing that one and the only other game that i've been playing is saints row 4 weirdly enough that's a, an unusual pick what made you go back to that <laughs> I, I have no idea um i came home from work uh on saturday evening was it saturday um yeah and i was going through the playstation now lineup and you know when you have too many games to play it's a bit like sitting down and looking at netflix and you spend like two hours deciding what to watch and then you end up just going to sleep instead it's that sort of situation where i thought you know what fuck it i'm just gonna play saints row 4 for a laugh um and like yeah it's, it's i've played it before um but this is like the ps4 enhanced edition uh and i spent ages making my character and um the writing's quite funny and it's just one of those throwaway games where you don't really need to pay any attention uh whilst playing it so i thought i'd give it a go um i probably won't go back to it now that i've got the ability to download these games i'm just going to jump from each one but there there is a game that is coming out in the next couple of weeks um which has had quite a few previews uh in the press and that game is red dead redemption 2 so we've discussed this previously um but and loads of different things have come out this week have you guys seen any of the uh the new footage, the screenshots, the articles, anything like that at all? I saw a funny title for an article this morning, actually. Was it about horses' bowels? Yeah. <laughs> what was the title? Do you remember the title? It, it was Horse Balls Red Dead Redemption Chains During Weather or whatever else it was or something similar to that. Okay. I was just pissed. I just started laughing. Yeah, I think the title that I saw was a symbol of nature, but I think it's like said like dynamic gonads or something like that. Okay. I, I hope they, the game's good and they've not just spent too much time on horses' testicles. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope the horse testicles affect gameplay rather than just being a, a cosmetic thing, you know. Yeah, so... Um, well, yeah, yeah, it kind of be uh, kind of pointless for them to spend too long, but it's kind of testament to Rockstar that they have gone quite in depth with the realism of the game. Uh, one of the previews that I read, yeah, go on. It's all you say here about the horse's testicles is ridiculous. I think it's but, the internet are just obsessed mean, with balls. Does this mean I'm going to be angling the camera to observe the gonads to make sure that I know when it's going to rain or <laughs> maybe, or it might be a case of that. The third person view from behind of the horse is so, obvious that the balls are dangling that you kind of have to like do a top-down view whenever you're riding on the horse um alternatively imagine what horse balls in your face all playing, the time. No. well yeah but playing multiplayer and saying oh frank it's gonna rain how do you know oh my horse's balls are low <laughs> yeah. but th- that would be a good mechanic in a way it'd be weird but it would be quite comical if that was the case but they were kind of saying that one way to get around that is uh, first person, uh, the camera view, will be uh, an option from the start. So I doubt a, oh. lot, of, I doubt so a lot of people... You've got to be... get off your horse. 
You gotta get off your horse and look <laughs> underneath the horse. <laughs> crouch, crouch and go down there. It Quite might be a case that you have to do like testicular exams once in a while just to see if your horse is still healthy or not. Maybe you can breed horses and you have to artificially inseminate your horse and you know, oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> We've gone down a weird rabbit hole here, but <coughs> Oh, Jesus Ben's dying. Christ. Ben's dying. Yep. Uh but Ben's choking on the horse balls. <laughs> <laughs> that might even be a mini game. Um not not Ben choking oh. on um horse balls, but um drop the balls. Breeding horses, because the one of the previews stated that if your horse dies mid game, the horse is dead forever. Um, and obviously, then you have to find a new horse in the wild or buy one. And then you obviously the wild horses you have to break in and train and that sort of thing. So, so horses you buy your horses off the size of their testicles. What do you reckon that's going to be right. like? Like an attribute? Yeah, slide? the most expensive horse has the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you buy that horse? Because he's got space hoppers. <laughs> yeah. They drag along the floor, you know. When we're in the desert, they drag along the floor, but, you know, hit against the bounce against the, against the rocks. So, um, more stuff than just horse balls came out from Red Dead Redemption. Uh, so, really? yeah, surprisingly enough. So, a lot of people said that the lighting in the game is absolutely gorgeous. Um, the whole way that you interact with people around the world, including sort of the base camps that you set up is really well done. Um, obviously you've got choices you can make, uh, not just with the people in the camp, but the people you see out in the wild. Cause the problem I kind of had with the first one was when you're out and about, um, there might be a few people that you see kind of screaming saying, Oh, I'm, I'm getting attacked or I'm getting robbed. Um, and that's pretty much it. But, it seems this one, they've kind of gone down the route of if you save somebody, then you can maybe bring them back to your camp and then they'll contribute to the economy. They might sort of go out and hunt with you. Um, and they said the hunting mechanics now when you skin an animal is brutal. Uh, apparently it's really, really realistic. Like you skin the animal and you can see the muscles um, underneath the skin and all that sort of stuff. So if you're not only sensitive to horses' balls, you get a lot of nitty-gritty gore in this as well, so you've got to have a strong stomach to play this game, it seems. Ooh. I wonder if you can milk a cow. Maybe. Not if he's got balls. <laughs> <laughs> Gender-specific mini-games here. Um, so... I'm not milking a cow here. <laughs> oh, this podcast has taken a weird turn. Uh, so, yeah, I'm eagerly anticipating... Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 horse balls. and Horse Balls Horse Balls Simulator 2 <laughs> yeah. so not a lot of stuff about the missions has come out and I think that's fine um, the problem maybe that a lot of people had with uh, Spider-Man for example um, even though it's an incredible game I heard a lot of feedback that a lot of stuff was shown before the game came out and Testament yeah. to Rockstar is they keep the cards kind of close to the chest. Um, rarely, but not their balls. But not the balls. No, they're, they're, they're hanging low, hanging low. Um, but yeah, so we might see another trailer um, in the next couple of weeks, but it's only uh, four weeks now, I think, until the release date. So really looking forward to them horses. Red Dead, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, trailer three, horses, balls. And that's it for like six minutes. You've got the, wo the, the woman talking over the trailer saying, 
see how they uh, swing from left to right. Bounce as you... <laughs> When you're navigating rocky terrain, they might graze along the floor. Yeah. Ouch. Watch this long. Well, no, we're, we're talking about balls. We're not going into the, the realms of uh, horses' sort of uh, penises now, Ben. That's just too far. That's just too far. Um, and talking well, about balls, so why not? Why not? Why not? Um, but yeah, talking about taking it too far, um, THQ Nordic have gone absolutely batshit crazy with their wallets. So over the past couple of weeks, THQ Nordic, who have released games like the Darksiders franchise, have been buying up dead IPs left, right and centre. So they started off um, with uh, the Time Splitters IP. Um, they've bought that one up. Uh, then they followed up with my all-time favourite game, uh, Kingdoms of Amalar. They have bought that franchise, which I'm super excited about to see where that goes. Uh, and it you came out... the best there straight away. Pardon? You two great franchises there straight away. Oh, 100%. And obviously we'll discuss those uh, a little bit further and obviously our thoughts on the reasons why. Uh, and what they can do with those games. But it came out, I think, two days ago or three days ago that they have also bought the IP for the Alone in the Dark series as well. Whoa, no so, way. Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, like, I, I, re- I heard that news and I was thinking, what the <coughs> hell are they doing over there? Um, the three... You watch them buy all their old IPs back as well. Yeah, well, and they, THQ in general. And they probably will, as long as they don't go down the route of all the wrestling games that they used to do. Um, and oh, their wrestling games were amazing. <laughs> if you like wrestling. But yeah, yes. I did when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people did. Um, and a lot of people still do. Um, so I can't knock wrestling. I'm not going to go down that. But the three games, like the three main games, Time Splitters, Kingdoms of Amalar, and Alone in the Dark, are three completely different genres of games. Um, so are they buying these IPs just to say like, screw you guys, we've got these now, if you want to buy them back or if somebody wants to buy them, we'll kind of put a massive like markup on them or, or are they actually going to make new games from the franchise? So if we start off with Time Splitters, Time Splitters 2 was my go-to game when I was in secondary school. It was our multiplayer game before the Xbox 360 came out. So Every Saturday, we'd go around my friend Joe's house, um, and he had a PS2 uh, with Time Splitters 2. He had a uh, multi-tap thing, so you could play four-player split oh, screen, yeah. and it was the best thing ever. Um, do you guys did you guys play any of the Time Splitters games? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll play the first two. I loved the first two, in fact. Yeah. What about you, Dan? Yeah, play, played them quite a lot uh, when I was at uni. I'm a um, little monkey. Yeah, I was going to say the monkey. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think making a time another time splitters game would be a big risk. Kind of like Nukem Forever, and um, you know some of the, some big franchises. Making another one is risky. That you either get it right and get it out the door quick, yep. or or it's going to end up in development hell. Or they just go do remasters, and, and that's the other option. Remaster would be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Time Splits 2 nowadays might not necessarily translate that well. Um, Time Splits 2 for me personally uh, was the replacement for Goldeneye. Um, they kind of 
took over that multiplayer throne in a way. And the great thing about the multiplayer was if you were playing on your own, you could have play against bots. And that was phenomenal, um, especially on the PS2 uh, era, because there was online per se, but not for those sort of games. It was more for like the Japanese okay. RPG MMO things that nobody ever played, um, mainly because nobody had internet that good back then, if, unless you had like super crazy business speed, uh, like like a, a modem or whatever. But either way... <laughs> A remaster might work, but it's not going to be up to the standards of today's multiplayer games. So I think going in the direction of a new version or like a new iteration, a sequel or whatever, would probably be the right choice. But a remaster of Kingdoms of Amalar, I would lap up like kitten's milk straight away. Yeah, I think if they expanded it a little bit in, in certain places... Um... It improved uh, the interface, so like if if they're taking the game itself to four K or whatever, mm-hmm. um, if if they do the interface or items as well to four K, that'll look really crisp and clear, and and I reckon that would sell. Yeah, and I think the good thing about the Kingdoms of Amalar game as well, ironically enough, it's a game that I play every Friday night, uh, and I actually got another trophy on it last Friday, um, frustrating one, but irrelevant. The graphic style of the game is very, not cartoony, uh, but it's got that art style that would easily transpire to a higher resolution. Uh, They wouldn't necessarily need to do a lot of work with the game uh, to make it look great, Apart from, obviously, the things that you just mentioned, Dan, like the the UI needs to be a little bit more tighter um, and things like that. But gameplay, story, and combat of that game are incredible. Um, I actually went back after the announcement and checked quite a few uh, reviews when the game first came out because it's one of those games that I enjoyed. Uh, Obviously, me and you, Dan, have had the discussion before because, obviously, your family members enjoyed it as well. Um, And it's one of those weird games that people like but not a lot of people kind of heard of and it kind of went under the radar I've never heard of it exactly um the uh the development team worked in conjunction uh with uh Todd McFarlane who is uh, known for creating spawn and characters like that um so the the characters that you played or played against the enemies types were amazing really cool weird characters and uh, the gameplay changed depending on which area you're in and the enemies. and But the combat was great. Uh, the upgrades you could get was really cool. So a sequel, I'd be happy with that. But I'd, I'd, be, I'd settle for just a remaster. But Alone in the Dark is an interesting one to me. Because um, it's been a franchise that's been dead since the PS3, Xbox 360 era, if I'm correct. I remember yeah, playing I one. Yeah. About that game. yeah. Was it Alone in the Dark? Oh, I can't remember the subtitle. If it was Inferno or something like that. No, it was a remake. It was a remaster of um, one that came out for PS One, I think. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Trusty Google is going to tell me. Because I remember it being quite good. Original, like, ah man, must have been nineties, ninety four. The old school, old school one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, real polygons on screen, and and you started off in an attic, you know, to yeah. avoid falling down a hole. <laughs> was the original one a first person game or was it a third person game? 
It was third person with a fixed camera, like um, original oh, Resident the, Evil. In the Silent Hill style, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But before... It was then, one of the predecessors yeah. that made Resident Evil, because that and a game called Home Sweet Home yeah. were the two games that inspired Resident Evil. Oh, okay. That's cool. So, Google but tells that, me... I'm sorry if I mentioned that. In the horror podcast, oh, might sure. have done. I can't it's, remember. It's always good to know facts that we didn't know. It's always a learning day when you listen to a podcast, which is great, especially when you're talking about horses' balls. But Alone in the Dark, uh, Inferno was the one, yeah, that I said. But there was also one that came after called Alone in the Dark Illumination, which I never heard of. Um, that might have been a PC only release, but the Metacritic score for Alone in the Dark Illumination is 19%. So, is this the user score or the critic score? 19% scores, is pretty bad. Oh, okay. So the critic score for Alone in the Dark Illumination is 19 and the user score is 1.2 out of 122 <laughs> ratings. So that is shocking. That is the, probably the worst That's nearly a... No, that's nearly as bad as the thing game. The thing. I think that. Had, I, prob- I think that had terrible reviews. Oh, I remember the thing game. I had it on the PC, and I probably played it for about thirty minutes. And I was thinking, Jesus, like, how could they ruin such a decent concept? Like, the thing, as the movie would would transpire to be a really cool game if the person who made it got it right. But yeah, yeah. It's one of those games that just will go down in history to be one of the worst horror games ever made. But they could make a decent new entry into the franchise. I think what's kind of missing uh, at the moment is that kind of survival horror. I know Resident Evil 2 uh, remaster or remakes going to kind of bring it back. Um, but Silent Hill's not here anymore. Um, so it'd be interesting to see a game like that again. What do you reckon? It is. Silent Hill's still here, but it's in um, coin machines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not It's not what we remember it to be. It's definitely not going to be what we what want is, no. a Silent Hill game to be. Um, talking about Silent Hill uh, and kind of a weird tangent, um, they released a new trailer for the Death Stranding game. Did you guys get to see that? No. Uh, I haven't bothered... I, I don't think they're going to actually tell us anything. Have, have they told us anything new about how the game actually plays? No, so obviously the trailer is a new trailer yeah. showing us new stuff, but it still leaves a massive question mark above your head of like, well, what what actually is this game and what actually is going to happen? It's weird. Like, I get like they've got all these cool people to do it. They announced that... Um, Loads of really famous Japanese voice actors are coming on board. Um, and I think they mentioned that Troy Baker as well um, is going to be sort of one of the, the voice actors. If you don't know who Troy Baker is, he's uh, the person who voices Joel uh, in The Last of Us. Um, and pretty much every video game you've ever heard of over the past 15 years, him and Nolan North are the male characters. Um, yeah, because he plays um, Nathan Drake's brother, don't he? And, um, yeah. One of them. Yeah. Um, he's everywhere. His voice is literally everywhere. Um, but no, it doesn't say anything more about that game. Um, I think 
Kojima is one of these guys who is super overrated. Um, everybody puts him on that pedestal of the greatest game creator of all time, but I think it, it, oh, I, oh, I don't want to diss him. He created Silent Hill, Frank. Yeah, but Metal Gear Solid, Solid is a great series, but it's such a pretentious series at the same time. Like, people make it out to be the best thing since sliced bread. Like, the first one... Uh, the first Metal Gear Solid, not the first Metal Gear game, was incredible. Um, but in my opinion, they just kind of like went downhill and the stories got really weird and Kojima just kind of kojima the game. And I kind of don't want him to do this with Death Stranding, but from what we've seen so far, it is a Kojima game. So I don't reckon it's going to sell the way that God of War has sold for Sony or Spider-Man has sold for Sony, um, Horizon, things like that. I think it's going to fall by the wayside. Spider-Man outsold God of War. Yes. Yes, it has. So it sold 7.3 or 7.4 million copies in three days, which is madness. Absolutely madness. Apparently 3 million people pre-ordered or something similar to the case that I remember reading. Yeah, and they said... That 7 million stat didn't actually uh, cover pre-orders of the the spider-man bundle consoles so the the special edition spider-man pro or the just the pro the base one that was bundled in with spider-man so it might even come to light that those figures are even better so sony with exclusives at the moment are actually on fire um but i think death stranding when it eventually comes out might be the one that's gonna kind of go on not under the radar but kind of it's hard to say. It won't sell, sell as much as... Uh, I don't think it'll sell as much as God of War or Spider-Man. Spider-Man is an incredibly huge franchise. Um, I think I think Death Stranding will be one of these critically acclaimed games that actually doesn't do that well. No, no, yeah. It might be a cult classic that's talked about for years, but it might not be talked about for all the right reasons that they're hoping but they've still got The Last of Us 2 to come out. They've still got Days Gone uh, to come out as well. So Sony are on rolling in the money, um, going all the way to the bank, and the kind of Xbox kind of need to pull their finger out, really, um, and do the same. So whether they do so in the next generation is soon to see. But um, So, yeah, so THQ Nordic taking over the world. Um, every week they've bought an IP, so just watch this space. It wouldn't even surprise me if uh, next week they buy something else. Um, what we'll do now is... Yeah, if we... Silent Hill, that'd be hilarious. Oh, Jesus Christ, that'd be amazing. Imagine that. If they came out saying, uh, we've bought the IP to Silent Hill uh, and we have fully remastered uh, the first three games or the first four games, because four was actually quite good as well. Um, and... First two. Three was great. It wasn't as good as two, but I remember playing uh, Silent Hill for the room, and that was actually quite good as well. Um, Homecoming oh. wasn't too great, or the other one wasn't that great. But the first four. Oh, downpour was crap. Yeah. yeah, downpour and Homecoming weren't great. But um, so yeah, so what we'll do is move on to readers' questions, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. But the first one comes from uh, Ryan Ho. Um, 
Just a quick shout out to uh, Ryan before we actually go into his question. Uh, I've spoken to Ryan uh, a fair few bit over the past couple of months, uh, and he actually uh, hosts his own podcast. Uh, so if you guys are into witty comedy, uh, things about wrestling and really random uh, sort of banter in a way, uh, go check out his podcast. Uh, his podcast is called uh, We Need This For Our Sanity. Uh, so that's We Need This For Our Sanity. Check it out. It's on all major podcast providers. Um, it's done by uh, two guys and a girl who have mental health issues uh, and they talk about it in depth and how it affects them. And it's a really good podcast. So I urge you to check it out. Uh, but his question this week is, what's the one game you wish you could forget so you could experience it again for the first time. Um, so what would be your game, Dan, if you could start it again, never playing a game before, what would that game be? Um, oh, it's between uh, Skyrim um, and Fallout 3. Cool. Why Fallout Two 3? Two very similar games, really. Yeah. I don't need to ask uh, why Skyrim, because Skyrim, Skyrim. But Fallout 3 is one of those games that is either hit and miss for some people. So what would be your reason for Fallout 3? Uh, Fall, Fallout 3 clicked with me. I enjoyed the, uh, the storyline. I enjoyed uh, getting the guy on the radio and then having to find him. Um, the, uh, the whole... Um, when you go to the... Uh, there's a supermarket quite near the beginning, and when you first go there... That sort of experience of, of moving through those shells and there being mutants among the, the shells and more raiders. Um, I just really enjoyed it. <laughs> and that's, to be fair, it's a good choice. Like, for me, the one thing that hit home for me about Fallout 3 was, because I played that way before Skyrim came out, um, was the fact that you could pick everything up. It was one of those games where the, the first experience I've had is like, you wake up and you're the baby and you go through the 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 goat is it remember it being called um yeah. like the class the lesson best, which yeah. then determines what stats you get and there's like a cool thing before you exit the vault um and then you go out into the wasteland and you're like oh okay you literally can go anywhere you want and pick anything you want up like oh there's a spoon on the table i will never need that spoon but i'll pick the spoon up just in case and then, like, 15 minutes later, you're like, oh, shit, I can't actually carry anything else. I'm going to have to dump all my spoons now. 400 spoons, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, Fallout's a great choice. Skyrim's also a great choice. Um, what about you, Ben? What would be your game of choice if you could play it for the first time again? Well, it would be Resident Evil 2. Hmm. Because here's the reason. Because, obviously, we've got the remake coming out. And if I never played it, I would be going in fresh and not questioning every move I make. That's true. That's so I feel like I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, this is there. I know they've moved some stuff about. I know that much. Yeah, this they've is had to... one of them. Right? I like to go in fresh. They've had to revamp the remake, obviously, for, to, to make it current. But Resident Evil 2 is a good choice. Like, any of those sort of survival I... horrors is a really good choice for that because... Once you played and the... Assassin's Creed 2, I think. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Why Why Assassin's Creed 2? Because it started my love for the franchise. Mm -hmm. 
I I liked the first one. It was okay, and I thought I played it, I completed it. Didn't play it again. Second one comes out. It was just complete, complete, complete. It was like just a. I think it's the first game I ever got. Like whatever it is on three sixty, whatever it's called, game of score, thousand, thousand G. Yeah, I also got the. Then, uh, I got the platinum for Assassin's Creed Two, and it was a major improvement over the first one. And it's one of those games that will go down as probably the best one in the series. Um, it had its mistakes, but yeah, it was a great, <coughs> great introduction to a new character who got his own trilogy. Um, so yeah, no, that's a good one. If I was to pick any game that I could play again for the first time, it would be um, Dragon Age Inquisition, probably, because I fucking love that game. Um, I started, I got the Platinum on the PS4, as I've said many times, um, and I started playing it again on the PS3, um, which is a big waste of time. Uh, mainly just trying <laughs> to get the, the Platinum again, but the frame rate's shit, the graphics are awful. Um if I could delete my PlayStation trophies, um, you can only do it if you got 0% on a game. So if you didn't know that and there's a trophy list staring at you saying 0% for like whatever, WWE 14 or something, like you can delete it. If you've got 1% of one trophy or more, you cannot delete it off your list. But if I could delete my Platinum for Dragon Age Inquisition, I would do it right now and I would play through that game again and try and get the Platinum again. But I've got it on the PC. Um, one, once I bought my new PC, I've got it waiting to play. Um, but I just haven't had the time to sit down and play that an in-depth RPG. So that would be my one. Um, Ryan also asked uh, what would be the most Kojima way uh, to release Death Stranding. Uh, and he said, for me, it would be like uh being available for the ps2 like right now um obviously we discussed death stranding and we kind of kind of knocked it down a bit so i apologize ryan if you uh you didn't like that discussion but um yeah it it's not gonna come way could deliver it. go on it could deliver it in a cardboard box that would be a well, very very kojima way to do it and that yep We'll leave it at that, because I don't think you can get any better than that. Um, with a big exclamation mark above the box as well. Uh, yeah. So the next question uh, comes from uh, Graham Stewart. Uh, he has put, with two big Capcom remasters coming in the new year, is there any other Capcom game you would like to see being remastered? We'll put that to you first, Ben. What do you reckon? Resident Evil 3, Nemesis. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. And, <laughs> oh, I can't say I can't say Devil May Cry because we've got remas. Well, it's a remake, isn't it? But... Yeah, well, well, no, Devil May Cry Five is a new one. Um, but we have yeah. had the HD collection. Um, so you could, in theory, remaster one of them, but they're obviously they're still making them. Um, what about you, Dan? What would yours be? Um, I said. Suppose you could have Okami. Um, Beautiful Joe was a weird one because that that was uh, on the GameCube, and it was a uh, GameCube, badass game. It? it was a great game, and very few people played it because well, it was GameCube, and a lot of people just didn't ever get a GameCube. Yeah, 
I was the yeah. only person in my friendship group who had a GameCube, and yeah, beautiful Joe was amazing. And can anyone guess why I bought a GameCube? Go on. Resident Evil 4. Obviously, yeah. I think a lot of people did. And then it, came, then, it got, then it got announced it came out on PS2. I was like, oh, really? Yeah, it was like a year-timed exclusive, wasn't it, for the GameCube? But beautiful Joe, yeah. And I think the graphics style, being a cel-shaded game, like you could easily remaster that game, like 100%, yeah. or even just make a new one. Um, Capcom, for me, uh, it would probably be Dino Crisis or something kind of a similar vein to that. Um, obviously... You can bang the Resident Evil drum as much as you want, uh, but the Dino Crisis franchise kind of falls by the wayside because of Resident Evil, but it'd be cool to see, like... There is hints of that's getting a remaster, though. Yeah, like, it would make sense. Like, everybody wants, like... If Resident Evil 2 does well, apparently Dino Crisis might get a revive. Hopefully. Well, we'll watch the space and see some crazy 4K dinosaurs uh, or people running away uh, from those dinosaurs. Um... So, yeah, so that's a good one from Graham. Uh, the last question, uh, and we'll leave it here, because after I've read this one, I'm probably going to need to sit down and have a break, uh, is from Jay Fleet. Um, right, are you ready for this one, guys? You ready? Yeah. The question is, what drink would you drink if you were drunk drinking a drunk, drink, drunk, a drink, drinking a drunk? Does that make sense? Yeah. Didn't make sense to me. What drink will you drink drunk? Is that what you're saying? He just, yeah, elab- yeah. just elaborated a little too much. My mind kind of went into overdrive when I read the question. I was like, what's going on here? So if that is the question, then what drink would you drink if you were drunk drinking a drunk drink, drunk a drink, drinking a drunk? What would yours be, Dan? Well, right now, if I was I'd probably have drunk everything in the house because there's not that much alcohol in the house. So I would probably be thinking, oh crap, I've got work the next day. So I'd be desperately dragged down in pints of water trying to get sober before bed. So weirdly enough, that doesn't actually sober you up. I watched a documentary the other day and this doctor so-called doctor basically said it is hydration yeah there's no way there's no way that would ever sober you up it's impossible which is really weird because like that's the go-to thing isn't it like drink coffee drink loads of water but yeah yeah piss loads drink loads of water piss loads go to sleep i think sleep is the only kind of vomit yeah. yeah or vomit yeah 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 but the worst thing about being sick when you're drunk is you are still drunk when you finish being sick so it's just kind of like, um, what about you, Ben? What would your your go to drink be? Every day would drink would drink that got me drunk. So whatever. What, no, you've already drunk, drunk that drink, Ben. You've already drunk the drink <laughs> that got you drunk. So what's the drink that would get you drunker? Oh, well, then it'd be a mixed drink. Top so it might be a bit. Top shelf, yeah. Top like shelf a pie. zombie, as they call them, in, as they call them in the pubs. Ugh. Bit of everything off the bar. Something that's kind of like really weirdly coagulated and it's gonna like churn in your stomach. That sounds. That sounds I'd, beautiful. I had one on my stag do actually. It was quite nice. It was literally <laughs> six different rums, whatever else was in it. I remember my mate Gaz buying it, and he was like, "Oh, I'll try some of this, Ben." It's a Long Island iced tea. Right, okay then. Did you die after drinking it? 
No, but the funniest thing, I was fine until we went outside for fresh air. Yeah. And then it, hit, then it hit me like a bomb. Yeah, when you fresh leave like the safe enclosure of like a warm, well-heated pub and then you step outside into the wilderness and it's like, ha ha, I have my clutches on you now, child. Yeah, there's nothing worse than being drunk. I want to know, know what makes that happen. Fresh air. Why would... is it about fresh air that makes you junker? There you go. That'll be your homework for this week and you can come back with your professor's cap on next week and explain to us what to do or what not to do when drinking in an establishment. Um, don't go outside. Yeah, don't go to <laughs> never leave the pub. Uh, my, my go-to, I don't really drink. Uh, it's been a long time since I drank. Um, I think the last time I drank, we ended up having pizza um, in my garden, me and Dan and his wife and my wife, and it was a bit strange. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was the last time I drank, and that was a long time ago. But my go-to drink mm. is usually uh, spirit-based, something like Jägermeister. Um, the last time I went to uh, America, um, they had a vanilla-infused Jägermeister, and it was the best well, thing I've ever drunk like you can get the i think it's the spiced one over here and just the normal one um but the weird thing uh about liquor stores in america is the fact that you can only buy spirits from a liquor store um we went into a supermarket and i was just like oh where, where are your spirits to this woman she's kind of like excuse me and I was sort of like, the spirits, you know, like vodka or your gin. And she's sort of like, oh, no, darling, no, no, you have to go to a liquor store to buy all that. And I was sort of like, oh, that's fucking annoying. Um, obviously, straight onto Google Maps, the closest liquor store is like three miles in the opposite direction. And I went in there and it's like this weird, dark, dingy place. Like I kind of felt unsanitary to be in there. But it was like Christmas to a child. Like there was wall to wall, different flavoured liquor. Um, imagine having 17 different flavours of Bacardi, like 100 different flavours of Malibu. Um, I got, I think, like a chocolate Sunday Malibu as well, and that was really nice. Um, but yeah, the one I came back with as well as that was the vanilla Jägermeister. So if you can check that out, if you're ever in America or if you can find it elsewhere, that would be my drink of choice. So that kind of wraps it up neatly uh, for this one. Uh, obviously, we've discussed a lot in this episode, uh, and we've also discussed a lot of uh, horse genitals as well, and that's going to leave a scar in most of our minds, along with our listeners' minds. Uh, but yeah, just to reinform you guys, I'm sure you know already, uh, our podcast can be found on all major podcast providers, so if you're listening to us uh, on one, but you want to check us out on your favourite one, just give us a search on that and you'll probably find us. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, uh, so search us up on there. Uh, we are Middle Age Gamers. Just search that up in the bar and you'll find us. And if you do have any questions or any comments or any topics you want to hear in the future or want to um, talk about anything we've discussed today, hit us up a link on there uh, and we'd be love to answer your questions in the next podcast. So until then, next week, Ben's going to come back and tell us how not to be drunk when you're drunk. Uh and we're going to dream about horse balls. So it's bye from me. Uh, bye from me. And don't forget to go and check your horse's testicles. Uh, okay. Goodbye. Stan already everybody. checking his ones. <laughs>
Thank you.